Hi, everyone. I am thrilled to finally launch our brand new podcast aiming to cover the ins and outs of such a hot topic as it is cloud migration. What is this all about? How come something that didn't even exist 10 years ago has now become so critical and sometimes pretty much the only path to achieve real-time performance and efficiency? And let me tell you, after talking to some of the key players in the market, this ain't easy. Companies wanting to embark in this journey, they very much need the support of professionals that have done this before. Technicians and strategists that understand your business core objectives. So when they're helping you to build the data hosting landscape of the future, your goals and principles as an organization are considered and therefore protected. I almost landed in this world by a coincidence, and it didn't take me long to figure out how much work is involved in a successful migration. More and more of our clients here at Penn have reached out to us wanting to know more. Is the move to the cloud something they should seriously start considering? If so, who can help them assess how the current hosting landscape looks like to then shape out the best strategy and implementation plan for migration? Is the cost justified? Is the data protected? Whose responsibility is to protect it? Does it mean that you will need to train people to acquire a whole new set of skill sets? How long is this process going to take and how disrupted is the transition going to be for the business? I know. There are plenty more questions that you probably have asked yourself, but don't worry. This is precisely why Penn Partnership, in collaboration with some of the key players in the world of cloud migration, is bringing this podcast to you. Welcome to the Cloudy Business Podcast Series. Today, I have the pleasure to spend the next half an hour with Jeremy Ward, or as he likes to be called, Jess. Jess is an enterprise cloud strategist with more than 25 years of experience in cloud migration. Hi, Jess. Hi, Rashini. Really good to be on the show. Probably just clarify that a little bit. Not 25 years of cloud, because unfortunately, we haven't had 25 years of cloud as yet, but I'm hoping I'll get there one day. So it's sort of 25 years in the I probably, probably do not. It's even closer to 30 now, about 30 years in the IT world. And yeah, my role is uh, I head up the advisory function for cloud at CloudReach, which is now an Atos company. So we've just recently been acquired by Atos uh, going through that integration. And yeah, my role is to uh, run the advisory team. We've got a bunch of advisors that help consult and advise on all things cloud. And we, tr we try and sort of deal with it from uh, uh, the more sort of strategic angle rather than going in at the tactical angle with my team and get the customer ready to move to cloud and then let the, uh, the tactical people take over. Thank you, Jess. Thank you very much for joining me today. And I'm really looking forward to deep diving into this matter with you. So first of all, let me tell you how this started. When talking to some of our clients here at Penn, more and more I've been asked the question, oh, everyone is moving to the cloud. Is this something my organization should consider? And if the answer is yes, how do I even start this process? Is my organization cloud ready? And if so, what even cloud ready means in this context? Do I have the skill sets within my organization to drive this? And more importantly, who can help me to succeed in this journey? So that is Jess. Conversations like this with our clients is what got us there today. So to begin with, let me ask you something very, very basic. 
What does it actually mean when we say moving to the cloud? <laughs> Great question. So essentially, if you look at historically uh, sort of most IT workloads or applications is another a word for them, they tend to have ran on some hardware that companies tended to own, right? So they would either own or, or have, have outsourced it to a, a third party sort of data center. But essentially, you would be responsible for managing the hardware, the uh, operating system, the applications, and everything that goes between. You'd, you'd be responsible for the powering, the cooling, the security, the physical security, and that's sort of the, the, the old world. Now, moving to cloud, you've got companies such as AWS, Amazon, you've got Google with GCP, you've got uh, Microsoft with Azure. They have provided these sort of virtual data centers that are out there. They manage all of that. They manage the physical security. They manage all of the cooling, the power, the, the hardware. So they will be you know, replacing the hard disks. They will be doing all the bits and pieces that don't actually add a lot of competitive uh, advantage or a lot of value for organizations that are actually wishing to run workloads. So you can actually see that there's a a lot of value in taking those workloads from a, a data, perhaps a data center where you're in a uh, in a very sort of capex uh, heavy world where you're having to sort of you know every five years or seven years refresh that hardware and go through those cycles. You can, can forget all of that and you can just focus on having your workloads run in one of these data centers up in the cloud, as we like to call it, and have the third parties, those third parties manage most of it, right? And they'll actually, I mean, you can get to it where you're managing the operating system, but we're starting to see now what we're calling sort of cloud native yeah. architectures where you don't you don't do that, right? You're, all you're doing is you're, you're consuming some of the lovely feature sets that the different CSPs are offering. Things like, you know, maybe a database is, is quite a good example of that. So you don't have to go and install a server with a database then manage the database. You're just consuming as a service and plugging into it. And that's really what we'd like to say being on the cloud is, is utilizing the services that the, the hyperscalers, as we call them, uh, like to offer. Thank you very much. This was a very good summary. So if I take a step back on this, does it mean that everyone should be considering moving to the cloud? I think it's probably an inevitability that most companies will be on the cloud in the future. I think if you're a new company today, you it just wouldn't make sense to go and buy your own hardware, right? It's much, much simpler to just start uh, utilizing cloud. I mean, there, there are definitely some edge cases. You're going to get some organizations and, and, and there's a couple of examples are things like uh, government security agencies. We've done some work with a few of the sort of armed forces that really, really are concerned about having their data, you know, almost or they almost don't want it connected to the internet. But in general, I think almost all companies will, will look to me for cloud. And if you look at some of the surveys that are out there, there's, there's a couple of sort of big organizations that like to do their state of the cloud reports for anything from 30 to 50% of workloads are already up there on the cloud. So I, I do think any, all organizations should be looking at it, right? There's a bunch of benefits and we can talk about those as to why you would utilize cloud. But, you know, it may not fit everybody right now. It may be that you, you need to say, okay, well, we've just we've just invested or we've just recontracted our, our data center contract and tied in for another five years. Well, then wouldn't necessarily make sense. But I think you've got to be thinking it's certainly looking at your your medium to long-term strategy. And, and if you haven't had a cloud conversation, I would seriously question why not. 
Good. So, so I guess if I were to summarize this is if all organizations should be considering moving to the cloud, definitely everyone should be having this conversation. And may the answer be that not yet or yes, but we may decide to adopt a hybrid model, what is called, yeah. where you are partially, you migrate some of your applications, for example, to the cloud, and some of them stay on premises, on physical premises, based, for example, on what you mentioned, because you've got a contract agreement with a, with a physical location, for example, and you may decide to finish that uh, from a cost perspective. Fantastic. So I'm getting very excited. And I have many questions I want to ask <laughs> you. So, so I guess I'm trying to, to think about the questions that our clients have actually directly asked us. So again, let's take a step back. So if, let's say an organization wants to even start having this conversation and looking to maybe uh, start this process, how do they even start? What is the first step an organization should take to commence this journey? So again, great question. And we can almost look back in time a little bit and, and see what's happened. Um, we like to refer to what we call the eras of cloud. Um, and I think the first era was what I would say is a very IT-led driven adoption. It was the IT teams looking at the, the cloud uh, solutions that are out there and going, oh, this would be good. And then sort of doing a little bit of uh, maybe some lighthouse projects, uh, a little bit of uh, you know maybe a, a, an MVP getting something on there and then going to the business and going, oh, we've got this cloud thing that's great. And then trying to sort of almost shoehorn it into the, the business. We then started moving to uh, the second era, which was a little bit more modernization area or a bit more sort of experimentation. And this is where the business started to understand that the cloud was out there and realizing that actually they could circumvent some of the IT solutions that were there and we saw this in, in some of the big enterprises we saw this happening quite a lot you know a, a, a business wanted a server and if they knew that if they went to the it team they would cost them three you know take them three months cost them x x amount of money there'd be some big gsi in the background that would be having to go off and create a data center and they were going actually i can just take a credit card and i can uh, go onto aws and within five minutes i've got a, a server up and running and 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 you saw this sort of huge uh, outpouring of of shadow it but i think we're probably a little bit past both of those eras now we're much more into the sort of transformation and innovation area, or what we like to call the modernization era, which is where you've got the business and IT talking together and saying, look, there are some benefits we can get from here. We need to understand what the business wants, and then let's let's put a solution together that, that matches the two. So back to your question, which is, you know, how do I start? Well, have a conversation, right? Have your CIO, CTO sitting there with your CEO and your CFO and, 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 uh, and perhaps it's chief operating officer and sort of saying, listen, we have a huge amount of possibilities here. Let's work out what it is we need to do. And then let's start putting a strategy together. And it, it really is, you know, and also top down, right? If you if your CEO is fully behind it, it's going to work. If you try and do this bottom up and you then get hit a decision maker, which is your CEO and your CFO, and they don't understand why it's happening. And, and the CFO is saying, oh my word, there's all this cost has come in, you know, no longer CapEx, I've now got OPEX cost, and it hits a brick wall, it will fail. Right? We've seen that time and time again. So, so have the conversations early, realize that there's value to be had, realize that there's a huge amount of opportunity to be had, and perhaps bring in a third party to sort of validate some of those questions as well. Right? Maybe that you don't have the necessary knowledge within the, the team that you have there to even to get the answers. So potentially bring in a third party. 
It's interesting you, you mentioned this because what I see one of the, the key elements to success here is that educational aspect, right, is bringing everyone on board. And we have seen it before, especially me having been working in advisory for over 10 years now, looking at how sometimes companies can be adverse to change and bringing all the different layers within an organization to accept and understand change. And especially in, in, a, in a change that requires such a big investment as well, and not necessarily monetary investment, but there's effort, there's time, there's education, there is a bringing up the skills within your organization as well. Actually, talking about skills, if an organization wants to go up to the cloud, as you said earlier, let's talk about skills that we need to have hmm. internally. Yeah, so I think before you get to skills, you've got to understand what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. And you know, the, the, perhaps what we should perhaps what we should talk about is is the benefits of cloud that then that we can then lean into where the skills may or may not be needed. So I like to sort of look at there's normally four main reasons, right? That, again, there are a couple of others, but the four main reasons I think people like to move to cloud. So one is agility, so business agility, right? And that's the ability to change quickly, do something quick. So the business suddenly turns around to you and says, I need a new version of this, or or our competitors brought out this, right? On the cloud, you can do these things really quickly. You can experiment, you can fail fast. As some people like to say, I, I like you know, I like to put the positive spin on that, which is you can succeed quickly. And so, you know, being able to react quickly is is a huge, huge advantage. Cost is also looked at, and I think cost is is something that you've got to be quite careful about because, um, as you mentioned, this sort of hybrid mode of operation. If you are transitioning from data center to cloud, you're going to be running a sort of a dual run, right, which is going to increase your cost. It's not going to decrease it on, on day one just because you, you've started using the cloud. You've also got to start using the cloud efficiently. And you know, back to what I was saying around this sort of cloud native services. If you are just lifting and shifting, which is you know, picking up your workload from the data center and dropping it into the cloud, I guarantee it's going to cost you more. So, But cost, you can absolutely get some fantastic cost savings through moving to the cloud. The ability to innovate. So I think this is also key, right? You internally don't want to have to build all this functionality. The cloud service providers, the hyperscalers that are out there, they're constantly offering you, you know, things like data analytics engines, IoT plugins that you can utilize. So stuff that you would never, you know, you'd, you'd have to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions in, in creating that functionality yourself, we can just plug into it now, right? So you can then innovate, right? You think about the art of the possible within your organization. And lastly is is sort of technology efficiency, which is I can get out of this outdated hardware, this technical debt that I've I've built up over years and years and years, you know, patching operating systems. Yeah, I've done any more. Typescales will do it all for you. So you get this sort of improved reliability, improved scalability, a bunch of automation that you can build in, right? So you're starting to do things in a much more efficient way. So depending what you're moving, you know, why you're moving to the cloud, one of those reasons, all four of those reasons, you're going to have to look at how your workloads are going to look in the cloud, right? So it may be if currently your team are skilled up on you know, managing operating systems, doing the backups, replacing hard disks, well, they may be really worried and concerned that they're not going to have a job on the cloud. But I think you need to think a bit differently and say, well, actually, we can change your skill set here for you. Right? Let's go and educate you. Let's. There's a whole bunch of training out there, loads of certifications that you can get, you know, up to pretty pretty complex level. Let's go and get you up upskilled and up trained on on, on that. You can then add 
better value to our business, right? You're not, you're not, we're not really getting a huge amount of value out of you with you changing hard disks and, and doing backups. But actually, if you're starting to now look at automation behind some of the cloud native services and making things run more efficiently for us, it's a great opportunity, right? So it really, and I, and I hate this, you know, the consultant answer, it depends, but it does depend a little bit about, about the, the solutions that you're going to have as to what the skill set is. And again, if you're talking to a good sort of advisory company, they should be able to come in and do some form of assessment for you. So understand the current, you know, what, what do we have today and what is it we need to have tomorrow? And then let's let's put an education piece in place, right? It's very easy to do. And there's a bunch of solution providers out there who can provide that education piece. Absolutely. And you touched on one of the points I wanted to cover next, which is the different phases. So being the first phase, the assessment phase, where we look at our current data hosting landscape, we understand our current framework to then talk about how the future should look like. You talked about the benefits. Let's now look at it from a different angle, which is the challenges. <laughs> So based on your experience, what are the main challenges you have seen your clients struggling with and how you have overcome those? Yeah, so I mean, it varies a little bit between different organizations. I mean, some organizations are really sort of security conscious, right? And so they, they think that going to the cloud, everything's going to be open to the public, it's going to be broken. And you find that actually the the security team almost gets in the way and finds the reasons to not do it as opposed to the, also it finds the excuses to not do it as opposed to the reasons for what you're doing. And, and actually secure on the cloud, it's immense. There's a huge amount of security options that you get from the hyperscalers. And uh, an analogy we like to use is in the old world of security, if you imagine a castle with a moat around it, and your, your firewall was the drawbridge, right? And the drawbridge would decide what could come across and get into the castle. And once you're in, you, you know, a lot of free reign. With the cloud, yes, the functionality that's out there and the, the depth that you can get to, I'd like to change that analogy and say, well, it's not a castle anymore. It's a hotel. And you've still got a drawbridge and you've still got the firewall. But I now need a key to get into the hotel. And once I'm in the hotel, I then need a key to get into my room. And then I need a number to get into my safe. Right? So you, you actually you're layering and layering the security on. So you, I think there's a huge amount. So I think security is definitely something. So unresolved security concerns is definitely a, a, a blocker to actually a successful adoption or migration. I mentioned it earlier, top level management support. If you don't have that, it's going to fail. I've not seen a successful cloud migration work where you don't have the top level buy-in. Right? You need to get that because it also you need it for the communication. You need it for uh, you know it, the, the people are going to go. Oh, I'm not doing this because you know the boss said I don't need to. So yeah. no, if you haven't got that, forget it. Right? And we talk about DQ, so digital quotient, so a bit like the IQ and EQ. This is thing DQ. Right? A company needs to have a strong DQ. They need to understand what the, the, what the digital world can do for them. I think another thing we see at fail is is unrealistic expectations. So you're trying to do too much too quickly, or you you know trying to eat the elephant in one bite, as they say. So break things down into into much smaller pieces. Not getting the priorities right. So you know you, you move a workload, but it's actually a workload that people weren't really using in the first place, and no one's really seen the benefit of it. So you haven't bought any credibility. So you need to undo that. A little bit what we were talking about there, so the knowledge and training, you know, so there's definitely organizations out there that can help with that. 
and sort of help you create that strategy and also just trying to use tools that you maybe not have the greatest understanding of i mean all the all the providers sort of provide assessment tools and migration tools and you know they may look point and click but there's so many dependencies on on workloads when you're looking to move you you probably just need to make sure you've got the a bit of experience or or get uh, get trained up on it so talking about the tools for the assessment what do you believe more in terms of qualitative assessment of the current applications or actually the implementation of tools that help you perform a quantitative assessment of um, your current landscape I or, think, both, or both yeah i think i think as both right so again when you're looking to move and it, and it, again it depends on scale as well but you know we've got customers that are moving tens of thousands of applications you know and you can't you can't do that in one go so you you need to find a good tool and you need to have an understanding of what your potential future state is going to look like. Where do I ultimately want to end up? So hopefully you've had that strategic conversation with the business to understand what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. You then need to think about, okay, we've got all of these workloads. Ideally, we want to move all of them. And there's there's a a sort of a methodology called the six R's, sometimes the seven R's, that we can run through and, and just sort of highlight that. But essentially, you've got to understand the workloads. And there's a bunch of tools out there. So each hyperscaler will provide a tool that does an assessment for going onto their own cloud. Ideally, you probably want one that's a little bit agnostic so that you are actually you're getting a, a clear view as to what it may be when you go onto either of the three clouds. You definitely need to spend a bit of time running an assessment and understanding what it is you've got at the moment, right? Because it's not just and, and there's a there's a sort of a an automated part to that, and then there's a manual process to that. You need to talk to the product owners. You need to this probably code that's been written 20 years ago that nobody's got any idea who wrote it, why they wrote it, or what the you know, but it's been running and it keeps on running. So you're going to get these outliers that, that that are running there. So you need to run through that process. It's a really, really, really good opportunity for cleaning up your shop. And again, we'll go for the six R's. Yeah, I think probably the my favourite one of that is retire. I stop using it. <laughs> no, nobody actually, nobody actually sees it anymore or uses it, or it's an application that's run by one person. And so it's a really good opportunity to do that. And you've then got to start making some decisions between: Do I move everything onto the cloud, and then therefore I'm on the cloud? But you get, it's probably going to be costing you a bit more. But I can do that really quickly, right? Or do I want to be thinking about how I can become cloud native as part of that migration journey and sort of, okay, go, it's going to take me a bit longer and it's probably going to cost me more, but my return on investment and what I end up with is going to be it's a quicker return on investment and probably far more efficient cloud sort of land ecosystem that you've ended up on. Very good. Thank you. Obviously, today is our, our first podcast of a series of many. So as I, can, as I said earlier, there's so many questions I could ask you. But I still would like to, to somehow look at the, at the bigger picture, as well as going into, into the detail of some aspects. So in terms of, you mentioned earlier, right? You've got Google, you've got AWS, you've got... GCP. GCP, exactly. So in terms of the different hyperscalers, it doesn't mean that an organization has to go with just one. Or can we talk very briefly about the, the multi-cloud scenarios? Yeah, well? absolutely. It's a question we get asked a lot. <laughs> the reality is in most enterprises, if you're talking true enterprises, you know, 100,000 plus employees, multi-billion dollar revenue, they 
invariably are on two, three. They've also on their own cloud, so they've got the hybrid model, but just because of the scale and size of their businesses, right? So I think that in, inevitably large enterprises are going to be choosing at least two. If you focus perhaps on, on the more sort of SME market, it's horses for courses, right? So, and again, part of this assessment phase is what is it I want to do? What is it I want to achieve? If And it, and it might make sense. Let's say you're a big Microsoft house, big Office 365 user. You've got all of your, your development, your .NET developments being done. It probably doesn't make sense to go and move on to AWS, right? Because you, you can start integrating and interfacing into the Azure system you know they've got things like active directory services you don't need an active directory survey you just you just plug into the service it probably makes sense to go down that route you've then got to look at the workloads you're moving and it may be that you say oh do you know what well, yes we can do that for the sort of the users but we have a data and analytics team that want to use something else and they may be and i'm going to use it going for google google are very very good at some of the data and analytics and, and the sort of big data lakes that people talk about it may be that you want to say, okay, there's functionality there that I want to utilize. And it actually makes more sense for me to put that workload into Google. The flip side of that is that your operating model, so managing and uh, looking after all of the, the bit that goes behind you know, your, your people, your governance, you know, who can actually go in and fire up servers and, and, and creating the, the sort of guardrails in, in utilizing this, it becomes not just twice as complex because you're now you know, it, it's exponentially more complex because you're having to not just use them by themselves you have to use them together with another cloud hyperscaler so you've got to look at the why you think the benefit of going multi-cloud does it outweigh the risk and the complexity of actually doing that in terms of uh, operating model and managing that infrastructure as i said i think if you look at the big enterprises they will be having multi-cloud my advice is if you can avoid it, avoid it, right? Stick with one because, really? okay. yeah, it, it, stick with one. And, and, you know, unless there's a really valid reason, stick with one, leverage that, you know, because it's also cost savings, you know, the more you use, the, the more cost savings you get. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why you'd probably just want to stick with one. But, you know, I know that's not always the reality out there. Uh, interesting that you say that. What have I seen uh, based on the clients we have helped through through this journey? As you mentioned, there are limitations that force you to to adopt a multi-cloud scenario. But I've seen, and I agree with you, the challenges that come with integration within the different hyperscalers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that definitely has an impact on the overall cost. Um, there's, there's also, these uh, companies get, get concerned about single vendor lock-in as well. But we've seen people trying to architect their cloud solution so that they can just move from one cloud to the next. Never seen that work in, uh, yeah, never seen it work to the point it's, I mean, it costs a huge amount of money to do that. It's so complex. Don't think about it, right? If you if you get, if you're going to go all in, go all in because that's where you get the benefit of them. If you're trying to put some sort of layer abstraction layer between the, the service offering and what you, you might as well just do everything lift and shift and just and just take use VMware. Yeah, but but I guess it's also important as you alluded earlier when it comes to selecting a vendor that assists an organization through this journey and. Uh, throughout the assessment and implementation phase to select a vendor that is an independent party that is not actually thinking, oh, it doesn't matter what the client wants, I'm going to suggest 
AWS, or it doesn't matter what the client wants, I'm going to suggest a GCP because 70% of my technical team is certified in GCP, for example, is ensuring we do partnership with a party that is independent and is going to, to suggest a, a provide a solution that suits the client best. I think that's key, right? If you're bringing in a third party to help you and advise you and, and help you with your decision making, if the only partnership they've got on their website is with AWS, you'd be fairly certain that they're not going to be suggesting GCP to you. So, you know, work with a partner that's perhaps has a partnership with all three of the, the large hyperscalers or bring in three different companies that's maybe specialised in the different areas and, and you can sort of not play them off against each other, but you can sort of take the differing advice and and, and get a sort of a good understanding of that. But yeah, re- really, ideally, you want, you want somebody who's completely agnostic, but has a good sort of skill set and knowledge of all three. Uh, there are other there are other cloud providers out there as well. It's not not just those three, but generally we we do see it going to those three. As we're talking about the hyperscalers, one of the questions I've been meaning to ask is, what is the difference? And this is me thinking more about what our audience may be thinking at this point. What is the difference between private and public cloud? Oh, so uh, public cloud is is basically what I was saying at the beginning. It's utilizing the Googles, the GCPs, the Microsofts of this world. A private cloud is essentially going to a third-party data center. So maybe one of your GSIs and taking some server space on there and almost the old world, right? Which is, which is this was my, this is my data. So you're essentially creating your own cloud that is not accessible to anybody else, only accessible to yourself. And you're doing that. And, th- and there are companies that actually offer that. So they'll offer it as a, up to and including the operating system, they'll offer and manage, but it's in a private data center that, you're paying specifically for that. It's not a sort of a service OPEX-based solution. It's much more of a CapEx-type solution. Will um, you recommend I, private cloud at all? Well, I, again, that sort of phrase was, of course, that there are certain industries, there are certain location, geographic locations, maybe bandwidth issues, privacy, data transfer, that you may need to go down the private the road. Generally, I think you're not getting the benefits of of the scale that the hyperscalers are offering. So, you know, again, if you can avoid it, I would avoid it. But there are definitely cases where you would need to uh, have a private cloud. Thank you. Well, this has been a fantastic first call. There is one point I would like to absolutely touch before before we end today. We haven't talked about something very important, especially to the sponsors of this, which is uh, money. So, in terms of cost, right? So I do believe if we were to to engage with a third party to do an assessment of our current landscape, current uh, pricing models that can help us understand how much this is going to cost, right? So will you mind to talk us very quickly? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about cost. I mean, I mentioned it as, as sort of one of the uh, the key reasons for moving to the cloud mm-hmm. and, and, and mentioned a few of the sort of challenges with it. But certainly, look, the hyperscalers at the moment, they're in a land grab situation, right? They want people to get onto their cloud. Once you're on their cloud, you're generally not going to leave it. Right? I think most companies, and I, I moved a company to AWS back in 2010. We were one of the very first ones, a uh, big hotel, global hotel company, they're still on the cloud, right? They're still with AWS because it's difficult to move. And actually, this is the, the solution works really well. So they're all in a land grab situation at the moment. So there's some very competitive offers out there from all three of the providers to get you onto their cloud. But I think you have to, you know, don't just look at that. Oh, here's a here's a great discount for year one. 
think about your ongoing run costs. The service offerings and the, the sort of the price you'll pay for data input, data output, you know, running a similar sized machine on virtual machine on all three, of the, it's all pretty similar, right? Their pricing's, their models, you know, they, they're constantly looking at each other and making sure that you're not being beaten on price for that. But there's some great, great offers to get you on there. And, and uh, um, without sort of going into detail, there's, I know there's one that, 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 that offer at the moment doing part of a business case, right? So making sure you've got the right strategy in place, as we were saying earlier. You know, if you're going to start going, have the conversations internally. Well, they actually fund that for you, right? They'll fund consultants' time, people like us to come in and, and have that conversation. They'll also help fund the migration and they'll also help fund the run costs for a year. So, you know, there's some great offers to be had out there. And again, you probably need to speak to people who do this for a living to dig into all the different solutions that are out there. Um, but it it's a good time, I think, to start moving to the cloud now, you you know, uh, especially with energy pricing going up, right? I mean, uh, I'm sure that'll be passed on in a little way, but if uh, uh, using cloud, but if you're having to run your own data center, that is going to really hit you. So, yeah, again, there's something to be thinking about at the moment with these these times of high inflation and, and high energy pricing. Uh, it, again, it could be a really attractive offer to move. Absolutely, spot on. This is a hot topic and it has been for, for, a, for a few years now, if not more. Yeah. I have to say, I've been holding back from asking you more and more questions. Every time you were saying something, I was like, oh, I want to know more about this. <laughs> but as I said, today's our first podcast of a series of many. And this has been fantastic. Uh, this has been such an insightful session. If I were to ask you just one question, out of everything else that we have talked today, from this conversation, what will be what you would like businesses and uh, our audience to take away from this? What is your main takeaway if you're able to summarize it into one? Yeah, so I think two points. So one, if you haven't thought about getting onto the cloud, do. I mean, have that conversation internally. If you need somebody to help you know, drive that conversation, moderate that conversation, yeah, there's companies out there mentioning no names so, so that, that can absolutely help you with that. And and secondly, if you if you're already on the cloud, think about how you become more cloud native. You know, think about the, your current cost, your current run cost, how efficient you are. I think, like anything, right? It's iterative, it's ongoing. There isn't, it's not a sort of right. I'm on the cloud, done. Let's move on to the next thing. You can drive more and more efficiency, get more and more value. There's a whole ton of innovations coming from the hyperscalers. Think about how you might be able to use it for your business. Uh, think about the art that's possible there. And yeah, look, it, utilize it, right? It's there. It's fun. It's uh, uh, And it really does add value to your business. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Jess. It's been, it has been fantastic. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get to chat again soon. Yeah, if I could just add one last thing, which is uh, I also host my own podcast, I think called Cloud Busting. Um, so if anyone's out there and, and fancies uh, fancies a listen, we've we've done about 150 episodes and covering a, a number of these topics. So uh, do feel free to uh, to look us up. We, sh- you sh- we should find us on any of your podcast apps. Um, and yeah, have have a listen. Thank you very much. What a great first podcast this has been. I have very much enjoyed this conversation with Jess. It has been phenomenal talking to a subject matter expert on cloud migration and learn from firsthand on the main challenges, benefits, and key considerations when migrating to the cloud. There is still so much to learn, so much to discuss and talk about. 
that I really cannot wait for our second episode. Paul Cassie, CTO in Platforms and Hybrid IT at Computer Center, will be joining us in our second podcast to talk about migration strategy and much more. In the meantime, if you would like to have a chat to see how we can help you, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. My contact details are in the bio. I'm Roshni Jaswani, an associate partner at Penn Partnership. And if you would like to talk, then let's talk. Thank you.